Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Church Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people take their next step to move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridgechristian.com. We pray that your life is transformed through this message today, so prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wears. What you may not realize is all the black pipe that you saw in that and all the tin that you saw being moved last year right after the earthquake, we sent a very large check because of your generosity and we were able to pay for all that. That's amazing. That's changing the culture. Kevin and Cynthia are our missionaries in Nepal, and, uh, and I, I've been wanting to show this for a while. We've had it since August, but there just didn't seem to be the right time. Uh, but today was the right time, and let me tell you why. Uh, this past week, we got word that Kevin and Cynthia were battling a, a parasite that they had gotten through the drinking water. Uh, Kevin is 6'3" and weighs a lot less than I do now, okay? Uh, and, you know, he's down to about 145 pounds. Uh, they've had to fly to Kathmandu to get medical assistance. Uh, and so this morning, what we want to do is just pray for their safety and their health. I'm going to ask you to pray with me in just a second. Uh, but then I'm going to ask you to pray this week uh, and pray for them uh, because this is, this is obviously an attack of, of Satan and uh, they need our prayer and our support in this. So if you would, pray with me right now for Kevin and Cynthia. Father, we thank you for our missionaries. We thank you for the difference they're making. And right now, Father, we pray for their health. We ask you to heal their bodies, to drive that parasite out and never let it come back. Uh, Father, we pray for their ministry, their mission there uh, in Jumba and in the outlying communities. Father, that they would see much fruit and that your name would be glorified in that place uh, because of their work. Father, we're praying they have every resource. We're praying that doors will be open. And Father, uh, today as a body, we're just asking that you bring the blessing upon them uh, that will help them change that culture to be a culture that follows you. So, Father, we're asking for big things. And uh, we're, we're just asking that you do this for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep on praying. They need it. Hey, we're talking in a two-week series, and I'm going to be real upfront with you here. I, I'm not going to lie to you about it. I, we planned this two-week series leading into the election. Why is it a, a week before the election? Because I thought the election was on the first Tuesday of November. I did not realize there were other rules. It had to be after the first Monday or the first weekend. I, I didn't know all that. And so when I planned it, I thought, well, we're going to have the election on November 1st. So we're a week early, so you have a whole week more to pray and think about who you're going to vote for, okay? But if you remember last week, we talked about making a difference. To make a difference, what we talked about last week was from uh, Philippians 3.17 through 4.1. And this is what we learned. To make a difference is that we live as citizens of heaven. That means we live with a different set of rules, and that's what we learned last week is that we follow God, not the rules of this world. We, we do what God would have us do. The second thing that we said is it's going to be hard to live as a citizen of God, so we're going to look to Christ for help. We're going to look to Christ for help. In fact, in what we look at today, you will see that again, and that's what the, the examples that we'll look at today, you'll see them looking to God for help. And then the third thing that, that was there is we know that whenever we are living differently and whenever, we, when, whenever we're calling on God, then what we're going to do is we're going to expect a war. And, and, and uh, you know, we see that with our missionaries, Kevin and Cynthia, because they are living as citizens of heaven, because they've called on God for help, uh, Satan is unleashing everything he can after them. And so you can expect that. 
Today we're going to go back and catch the first verse, the first verse that we studied last week, and it's from Philippians 3, 17. And this is what it says there, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to look at some godly examples, we're going to look at some godly models to understand how to live as culture changers. So we're going to talk about examples this morning, and, and, and I wanted them to throw up a picture here. This is of uh, my older brother and myself, and I'm the cute one, okay? Okay, that, that, so th this is, we grew up in Orlando, Florida, and if you grew up in Orlando, Florida, late 50s and early 60s, there was a show on TV called The Uncle Walt Show, okay? And everybody wanted to be on The Uncle Walt Show. You registered, and if you got the postcard that said, show up, that meant you were going to sit in the, the little stands there and get to watch the cartoons at the TV station and be on TV, 15 minutes of fame. Well, we got the card. My brother and I were to show up at Uncle Walt, and we were actually on the show. Now, the big thing about the show is you got a treat when you were there. It, it, is it you, you, you either got a little jug of T.G. Lee milk or you got a hot dog. I, I got the milk. I wanted the hot dog, okay? And, and, and so, so then Uncle Walt would come around, and he would ask questions, usually just two questions. And he'd either ask you, what do you like to do, what's fun for you, or what do you want to be when you grow up? And so this is what he asked uh, me when he came to me. He said, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this is what I said. I, I said, I want to be a Bobby. He looked at me and said, a Bobby? I said, yeah, I want to be a Bobby. Uh, he said, oh, you want to be an English policeman? I said, no, I want to be a Bobby. And at that point, he just kind of left. <laughs> he didn't understand. A Bobby is my big brother. And he was five years older than I was, and he was the, the, the person that I idolized. And I wanted to grow up to be just like him, even though he was five years older. Isn't that true for all of us? We've got those examples in our life that we look up to and that we idolize. Now, here's the thing. We've got to make sure they're the right examples or they can steer us in the wrong direction. So this is what I want you to hear today as we look at this idea of having an example, having a model, is that we must follow godly examples to learn how to be culture changers. We must follow godly examples to learn how to live as citizens of heaven, to understand when we've got to call on, on God for help, to understand how we're going to fight this war and win. And so today I've chosen two Godly examples from the Old Testament, because in 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us that those people were given to us as examples so that we might know how to live. So we're going to look at two godly examples from the Old Testament. Both of them were public servants. And as we go into the election, what I'm actually doing is, is giving you a way to live to make a difference and also giving you maybe a model to look at as you cast your vote. And you're going to have two godly models uh, to, to, to look at, to understand how to cast your vote. So we're going to jump into this. The first one is a, a lady named Esther, and, and uh, she has a book written after her, and Esther was a captive in a foreign land, in the land of Persia. She, she, would, she, she and her family were brought to Persia. Now, I've got to set this up for you, and it's kind of a fun story. I'm not going to give you all the details, okay? Why? Because I want you to read the book of Esther. It is absolutely amazing. If you'll read that, I believe that God will change you with what you'll see because you'll realize how he works in ways that we can't even begin to understand. So this is Esther. Uh, she actually becomes a queen, but let me tell you how she becomes queen. There was this king, King, uh, king Xerxes, and, and this is... Um, 
what he does. He, he's had a huge battle that he's won. And when they had a battle that they won, this is what they would do. They would throw a party. And this party went on for about six months. And it's winding up, and there's this last week of the party. And in this, this is what it says. It says, every man drank as much as he wanted. So you got a bunch of drunken fools there, okay? I don't know any other way to say it. And, king, and the king says, all right, all right, this is what I want to do. And he calls for the queen to come and do a hoochie dance. Okay, now, now let me explain to you the hoochie dance. He wants her to rare, wear her crown, and that's it. Now, she's a pretty smart woman, Queen Vashti was. She says, I'm not going in there with all those drunken idiots. I'm not doing it. And this is what the king does. He says, I'm kicking you to the curb now, woman. You do what I say or you're gone. She was gone. So now the king has a problem. He needs a new queen. And this is how they would select a queen. They would walk throughout the land looking for the good-looking young ladies. And then they would bring a bunch of them back, and they would put them through beauty treatments. And then they would kind of do a casting uh, call uh, with the king to determine who was going to be the next queen. And guess who's chosen? This young lady named Esther. She's a Jewish young lady. She's a foreigner in another land. Her cousin Mordecai, who raised her, says... Esther, it would probably be best that you not mention that you're Jewish. So nobody knows that she's Jewish. The king doesn't know. And so now we have this young lady. She's Jewish. She's the queen. But listen to what happens next. Mordecai is at the city gates. And the number two guy in all of this land of Persia walks through. And this is what he wants. And when he walks through, he wants people to bow down to him. And Mordecai says, ain't going to do it. He goes into a fit of rage. He goes to the king, and he gets the king to sign a law into, into place. And, and, and what this law says, and on such and such a day, we're going to kill all the Jews. He doesn't know that the queen is a Jew, but he knows that Mordecai is a Jew, and he wants him dead because he won't bow down. So, so now they have this kill a Jew day. And Mordecai says, uh-oh, and he goes to the queen and says, queen, I think we need your help. And this is what Queen Esther says. Hold on, I can't walk in to the king without him asking for me to come. There's no way I can go in there because it could cost me my life. We're going to pick it up there in chapter 4 and verse 14. And this is what it says. This is Mordecai speaking to Esther, and this is what she says. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Okay, he kind of lays it out there. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. What Mordecai says to Esther is, God's got a purpose for you being queen. God's put you in that place. I, I want to ask you this. Do you know why God has you here? It's the exact same reason that Esther was queen. Esther was queen to save the people. You are in this place. You are in this community because God has called you to save the people of Milledgeville, to be a part of his saving plan. So, so this is what I want you to hear here is that we need to accept our call from God. 
God has called us to make a difference. I believe there are three places that God calls us to. Number one, God calls us to, 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 to go to those people in our homes, our families, and make sure they know about God. Gentlemen, as the heads of your household, that's your responsibility, to, to, to stand tall for God and to make sure the people in your family understand who he is. Every one of us need to be concerned for the salvation of our families. The second one is that we are called to bring the message of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. Let me tell you what you got to know to take your, your Jesus Christ to your neighbors. you got to know their names. That means you got to get to know the people around you. Those people that live on the right, those people that live on the left, those in the front and those in the back, as you begin to understand who they are, you know their names, and then you begin to build a relationship, and you can accept your call by going to them and sharing with them about Jesus Christ. One more place that I believe God calls us, and that's where we work and where we go to school. That's a huge mission field. And I always get this, well, we're not allowed to share Jesus where we work. Yes, you are. And when you sit down to lunch, you get a chance to talk with people. As you have other talks, no, you're not allowed to stand up on your desk and, and proclaim it and, and interrupt work. But you can just simply go to people and have an influence. This is what Esther does. She accepts the call. We've got to accept our call because God has called us to make a difference in this community. Let's keep on reading down in Verse 16, it says, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa. Now, this is Esther talking, and she says, go gather all the Jews that are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She says, fast. Now, now, in fasting, what she is actually saying is she's saying, go to God for help. She says, for three days, we're just going to go to God for help. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the king. I'm going to know that he can put me to death. I know that this is risky, but I need you all to pray to God. I, I need God's help. I need your help, and I need you to pray for me as I do what God asked me to do. I'm going to tell you, this is my privilege to stand in front of you every week, but I could not do it without a wife that prays for me. I could not do it without the elders that pray for me. I could not do it without the staff who prays for me. And there's a little lady down in Tallahassee, Florida named Judy Nabel that I get two letters from a week because she is praying for me. I could not do it. And this is what I know. Folks, if we accept the call of God, we cannot do it alone, and, and we need to ask God for help, and we need to ask people to pray for us. Who prays for you when life is hard? Who prays for you when you're getting ready to go and share Jesus Christ with somebody? Who prays for you when that medical test comes in and it's not what you had hoped? You need to have that prayer support. I've asked my guys that are going to Haiti in a, in a couple of months with me to ask people to pray for them. Why? Because I know we're going into the land where there's voodoo. I know that we're going to a place where there is sickness. And, and, and you know what? We're going to ask God to protect us as we go. Why? Because it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So we go to God for help. But then there's something else that she says at the end of that. She says, I'm going to go to the king, and if I perish, I perish. I would tell you this, folks. We've got to have that same attitude, and that means that we're going to take a stand at all costs. We're going to take a stand at all costs. If I perish, I perish. Folks, we live in America. 
we don't really have a chance of dying for our faith. But I could take you to Nepal, where if the people there don't get you, the parasites will, because they are there not at the invite of the king of Nepal, but at the invite of the king of all creation. And, and, and the people of Nepal aren't necessarily crazy about that, but you know what happens? They're there. And because people are praying for them, they're able to do that. And, and, and you know what? They're taking a stand just as we need to take a stand. We're not likely to lose our lives, but we are likely if we take a stand and we stand up for Jesus Christ, we are very likely to have somebody ridicule us because we don't do what everybody else does. We are likely to have somebody uh, look at us and, and look at us a little differently. But she takes that stand. You realize what she did? She accepted the call. She went to God for help through her people and had people praying for her. And then she takes a stand. And what's so amazing is the next point that you get to fill out on your little outline there is simply watch God work. I'm not giving you all the details because I want you to read the book of Esther. You can read it in about 15 minutes. And you will see how God works in miraculous ways. How does God work? Through a young girl that accepts his call, who, who, who asks people to pray, and she prays, and then who takes a stand, and God delivered the people, and there was no longer a kill a Jew day. It is absolutely miraculous. She changed that culture by accepting the call. She changed that culture through, through having people pray, and she prayed, and when she took a stand, it changed the culture. Esther is our first example. Now, can I tell you what? That's an example that if you and I would live, we would change this culture we live in. We would have an impact in, in Milledgeville and the surrounding community. If we look at that example, it'll give us a hint on maybe who we should vote for. But let me give you the second example because we need godly examples if we're going to be culture changers. The second one is a young man named Daniel. Daniel is also in exile. He's in a foreign land. Daniel also has a book of the Bible. And, and I want to explain to you about Daniel. He's in exile. He, 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 is, he, he is a young man, and the, he was taken captive, probably because he was a, the son of a noble man. And when they took captives, and this is the Babylonian Empire now, when they took captives, they would look for the nobles, they would look for the artisans, they would look for the craftsmen, they would look for the ranking soldiers, they would look for the prominent citizens, and that's who Daniel was. In fact, if you read Daniel 1, it says that he was a good-looking young man and he was extremely smart. A lot like college students, okay? And just like college students, he was supposed to be trained in the, the culture. It said that he was going to learn to be a Babylonian. He was going to learn the language. He was going to learn the literature. And then it said he was going to eat the food from the king's table. Now, that presented a problem for a good Jewish young man because there would be things on the king's table that, that weren't kosher, that weren't okay for, for a, a young man to eat that was Jewish. And this is kind of where he put his foot down. In fact, I want you to see what it says in Daniel 1.8. It says in Daniel 1.8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Daniel resolved. He knew it was wrong and decided that he wasn't going to do it. He knew the answer, and then he decided he was going to live by it. Think back for just a little bit to, to maybe when you were in school, and some of you still are in school. There was a thing called a test, okay? 
And if you remember those, you had to be ready for a test. You studied for them. My son, the young professor, gave a test a couple of weeks ago, and he said, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth after the test. Anybody ever had that happen in your life? Yes, okay. Craig, did you see that? Your daughter raised her hand. I didn't want to call her out here, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah. But here's the key. If you want to be ready for the test, just study in advance. The test for Daniel was, was he going to eat the food? And this is what I would tell you, folks. We, we got to know the answers to the test, and then we got to resolve to obey them when we are tested. Let me give you three or four tests that I think that you and I are going to encounter. And I will tell you, I see these tests here in Milledgeville, and they are at every level. They are at every level uh, that, that, that are there. And, and I want you to hear these, and I want you to think about them in your life. Number one test is simply sex. I see it from the time our kids are in junior high, when they're in high school, when they're in college. Then I see it when they're adults, and even when they're senior adults, that test is there. I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to the test so you'll know it. Then you're going to have to have the resolve to do what God says. The answer to the test of sex is one man and one woman in marriage. Pretty simple. Okay? But what we've got to do now is say, I'm going to resolve to obey God in that. Second test I think that we're going to encounter, and that's just the, the, the test of, uh, of pleasure or alcohol. And I used to tell my students at Florida State, I said, this is what God's law says in Romans. It says that we are to follow the laws of the land. And if you're not 21, that means you don't drink. Answer to the test right there. If you're under 21, and we've got that in our middle schools and in our high schools and in our college. But then I said, if you're over 21 and it is all right for you to drink, let me give you the answer to the test. It says in Ephesians 5.18, not to be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, but you got to resolve to obey God in that because the test is going to come. How about this? What comes out of our mouths? It might be unwholesome talk, that which tears people down. It might be foul language, but, but we know what God's Word says. Don't only let wholesome talk come out. And we know, but we've got to resolve to obey. You study for the test, and then you give the answer at the appropriate time. That's all that Daniel did. And because he did that, God brought favor on his life. And, and the interesting thing to me is that he was very faithful in the small things. So we resolve to obey God, and then we're going to be faithful in the small things. Because Daniel understood that if he was faithful in the small things, that would become the building blocks when he had to take a stand that would be hard. John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach, the first lesson that he ever gave his basketball players was how to tie their shoes. You say, well, that's a small thing. But you realize that if your shoe comes untied, it could trip up the whole game. What Daniel understood is that those small things could derail his life living for God. So Daniel does the small things, and you know what? God blesses him. In fact, it says God's favor was on him. And as God's favor was on him, he, he began to rise in the ranks. Why? Because he resolved to obey God, because he was faithful in the small things, and he becomes second in command. In fact, it says the king of Babylon was going to place him over the whole land. 
That's success. And can I tell you, any time that you're having success, you can expect the critics to come out. We know that. And any time you're having success for God, you can not only expect the critics to come out, but you can expect Satan to attack. And that's what we're going to see right now, is that because he was rising to the place that he was going to be in charge of the whole land, the Babylonian leaders go to the king and says, we need a new law. We need a law that says that anybody that prays to anybody except you, king, shall be put to death by being thrown into a lion's den. Why did they make this law? Do you realize that they made a law to get rid of the Jews? They're making a law to get rid of a godly, uh, a godly man? The reason they made that is because they couldn't find any other fault in him. They couldn't find anything else. So what they do is they decide, hey, we know that he prays to his God. We'll make a law that you pray to anybody else but the king, and you're going to be thrown in a lion's den. Let's, let's read this verse in, in chapter 6, Daniel 6. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, it's in the newspapers, it's on the radio, it's on the TV, that if you pray to anybody except the king... You know what? You're going to be thrown in the lion's den. He, he understands this very clearly. It says he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What these guys that opposed Daniel knew is they could set their watch by the times he prayed. And so they were waiting, and when they saw him bow, and, and I want you to notice what it says that he prayed. He gave thanks to God. He gave thanks to God. And, and, and I want you to see what's going on here. It is that Daniel was disciplined and consistent in his life, in, in the small things. And, and that's what we've got to be. We've got to be disciplined and consistent in our lives. And you're saying, well, uh, how, does this, how does this change culture, getting thrown in a lion's den? We're going to come to that in just a minute. But I want you to think about that. Are you consistent and disciplined in your life? In the small things, have you resolved to obey God? Because that consistency was really what got him into trouble, but that consistency is really what changes this empire, changes the culture. Let me tell you, tell you some things I think we've got to be consistent in. Number one is being in God's Word, Bible reading. We, if we are consistent in Bible reading, it unleashes God's Word in us. The second one is prayer. Prayer. I was at Kudzu on Thursday night, our college ministry, and that, that's when they meet. And Mandy was given a lesson, and, and her, her, her points were a little bit like mine. I thought she had stolen what I had written, but uh, not the case. Um, maybe I stole what she wrote. I'll let you all figure that out. But, but that, that was one thing she said. She said, if you would spend 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes, it's going to allow God to speak to you. I would tell you, if we spend 15 minutes a day in Bible reading and prayer, can I tell you what's going to happen? It's going to unleash the power of God in our lives. That, that consistency and discipline life in the small things will unleash the power of God. But I'll tell you one more thing that I think will, will do it, and that's just being a part of a church. Not showing up on Sunday morning, but being a part of church. Let me give you one more for free, maybe two more for free. Uh, just serving, finding a place to serve. It's not going to come up on the screen. You're just going to have to write this one down. S-E-R-V, Okay. Serving. In serving, what you're going to find is you're going to need to pray. You're going to need to get God's Word to do it. And you're going to need to be a part of a church. Or, or this one, just talking positively. Not letting the foul language come out. Not letting the language... But those are the things we've got to be consistent in. 
And when we are consistent, and, and when we do that, let me tell you what happens next. And this is what we're going to get a lesson on right here, and that is we're going to learn how to humbly oppose. I want you to see what Daniel did when the law was decreed. He does what he's always done. He simply goes and prays. That's how he opposes this thing that is wrong. He gets down on his knees and he thanks God. Do you realize that he didn't hire a lawyer? He didn't start a protest. He didn't boycott. He, he, he didn't go to the national news and make a scene. He simply does what he does every day, and he bows his knee. Boy, that's a lesson in how we're going to change culture, because what you're going to see now is that culture has changed because of that man. What happens next is he is thrown in the lion's den, because that's the law they made through his opposition. He finds himself in a lion's den. He's thrown in there. The king doesn't want to because the king likes him. But he's down there. Remember the last point of Esther? Watch God work. Well, what we're going to see now is God work. The next morning, the king gets up. And he runs down there, break of dawn, and they roll the stone away from the, the, the lion's den, and he yells down. And he says, Daniel, does the God you serve save you? And Daniel yells back, yes, he did. And let me tell you what happens next. The king writes a decree that Daniel's God is the God that needs to be worshipped. You talk about changing culture, he did it. Why? Because he resolved to obey God. Why? Because it was the small things. He was consistent, and he opposed by doing what he always did, getting down on his knees and praying. And we get to see God work. There isn't a thing that I've told you today that we can't do. We can accept the call. We can resolve to obey God. We can call for help. And we can be consistent in the small things. And we can take the stand. And we can oppose by doing the things that we've always done, by getting down on our knees, by getting in the Word. And then we're going to see God work in a mighty way. This is what I want you to understand. It's when we follow godly examples, we become godly examples. When we follow godly examples, we become godly examples. That's how we change culture. So we follow the example of Esther and Daniel. We resolve to obey God. We accept the call. We are faithful in the small things. We take a stand, and, 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 and we are consistent. And then what we get to do is we get to see God do amazing things. Why? Because we listen to him and allow him to work through us. Following a godly example brings you to be the example, and that changes culture. Father, wow, thank you for some examples. And right now, Father, I pray that you'll use these examples to guide us that we might live in the way that we should. Uh, we ask your Holy Spirit to come right now and remind us and convict us and move us and comfort us, uh, Father, that we might be the, the type of people that follow the examples you've given us, and that we might be the type of people that change this culture. So, Father, right now, move in this crowd that we might hear your voice and that we might move to move in this community with your power in us. 
For I pray this in your son's most holy name. Amen. Pretty simple stuff. You see, two people, they changed the cultures they were in. A young lady and a young man who resolved to obey God, who said, I'll accept the call, and who said, I need people to pray for me and help me. That's what I'm asking you today. I think I could ask this question in this room. How many of you all want to see this culture changed? Yeah. Well, we're not happy with what's going on. The question is, will you be that person? Will you be that person that says, I'm going to do what God asks? I'm going to have the answer to the question, and I'm going to call on people to help me. And I'm going to allow God to work in my life, and I'm going to just love to see what he's going to do. But it's up to us saying, use me, God. So today, just like Esther, you can say, I need somebody to pray for me. You can come up front, and we would love to pray for you. Uh, maybe you're here, and you're saying, I, I want to be used, and we'll find a place to use you. But this is what it's going to take to change the culture. It's going to take one person saying, I'm ready. And today, if every single one of us in this room said, I'm ready, we would change Milledgeville. And why do we do this? Because he lives. Let's stand, let's sing, let's give him the glory. Thanks for listening to this message. If you'd like to find out more about Northridge, visit our website at northridgechristian.com. If you'd like to stay connected throughout the week, download our ChurchLink app today for your iOS or Android device.